Welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the Construction Leaders Podcast presented by CMA, where each episode will provide interviews with diverse perspectives, as well as trends that are affecting construction and project management industry and beyond. On behalf of CMA, I'm your host, Nick Soto, alongside my colleague, Carly Trout. Welcome to episode nine. At Focus 22, CMA convened a diverse panel of program and construction management leaders to discuss workforce recruitment and retention to overcome the current and ongoing talent shortage. The group represented a broad cross-section of the industry, including agency and at-risk service firms, owner organizations, and both senior and early career professionals. The group concluded that if the industry creates a greater understanding of the program and construction management and its impact on communities, as well as a more defined, diverse, and attractive career path in a more supportive, equitable, and performance-based work culture, it would have a positive effect on both attracting and retaining talent. With us today is a good friend of CMAA's and a CMCI Board of Governor, Chad White of Bowers and Kubota based out of Hawaii. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. So Chad, you were one of those panelists during the conversation at Focus 22. And during the discussions among the panelists, there were lots of conversations about where the future workforce would come from and how to attract more people to the construction industry. And you're one of the only people who brought up a great and unique perspective that mentioned an organization that is working to be part of that solution. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, the organization you mentioned, and introduce the guests you brought with you from that organization. Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here. Uh, happy to join this group. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, I do work for Bowers & Kubota based in Maui, Hawaii, and cover the Hawaii territory. I worked for a number of years in California as well and have dedicated quite a few years to CMAA, both local chapter and national chapter as well. And this has been a topic for some time. Uh, recruitment, like we talked about at our session in Chicago, was really centered around, you know, how do we get more people into our industry? How do we attract more talent? And we did spend significant time talking about college recruitment or even high school recruitment. And as you mentioned at the introduction, we did also talk about an earlier recruitment strategy, which is why we invited Engineering is Elementary here today. Uh, so I think I'd like to introduce uh, Jill Olson, our guest, to talk a little bit more about Engineering is Elementary. She is a Senior Director, Operations and Professional Development at Engineering is Elementary, and it's a curriculum division of the Museum of Science in Boston. And I happen to have used their products before and are familiar with them, and I'm really excited to have them here. Welcome, Jill. Thank you, Chad and Nick. I'm excited to be here. Jill, can you tell us a little bit more about Engineering is Elementary for those who aren't familiar with the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Engineering is Elementary is actually our flagship curriculum program, and it was developed at the Museum of Science in Boston going back about 20 years. Today, we are a pre-K through eighth grade suite of curriculum programs and professional development offerings. You know, a lot of what Chad just chatted about is really what motivates us and really got us working to meet this need from the beginning, which is really that we've got to look younger than high school and college if we're thinking about how are we going to be creating a generation of problem solvers? How are we going to be developing that steady, that diverse workforce? So we develop hands-on engineering and computer science curriculum programs that really engage students as young as at that pre-K level so they can start to recognize that you know they can really have an impact on solving the problems that the world faces today and will continue facing. Chad, what is EIE's place in the construction management and architecture and engineering industries? Yeah, I think for me, it starts with putting it into practice. Uh, I'm sure Jill will talk a little bit more about 
what the elements are and how it's put together and, and some of those aspects. My piece was using their materials in the field. And we were working with school districts in California, and we really wanted to engage with them outside of the regular workplace in a way that could give back to them and show them that we were really invested in their community and in their kids and their staff members. So we engaged with EIE and got some of their materials and set up time with classrooms where we could implement some of the EIE curricula. You know, there was all kinds of uh, interesting stuff. We built uh, we built little bridges, uh, we baked cookies in shoeboxes. We did all sorts of really fun activities with the kids to introduce them to engineering when we really felt like the kids in some of these inner cities really did not have a concept of what architecture engineering was all about. And so in one way, we were giving back to those schools by spending some time with their kids and kind of identifying us as people, but also looking at recruitment opportunities and saying to the kids that this was a real career path for them and that they could envision themselves as architects and engineers and open up more options for them. Jill, can you elaborate on some of the resources and materials that Chad mentioned and just give us an idea of the kinds of activities that these students are being introduced to in the classroom and what they're doing and and then how it ties back to engineering and construction? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it comes back to diversity, right? Diversity in the fields of engineering and the first place that we're representing. And so Chad rattled off a couple of our design challenges, you know, designing a solar oven or designing a bridge. Something that our engineering units seek to do is elevate to the youngest learners that engineering is more than, you know, what they might have some preconceived notions about. A lot of our founding research really asks young learners to draw a picture of an engineer. And what we saw in those drawings was a lack of diversity, a lack of diversity in gender in terms of who is an engineer, a lack of diversity in race, and a lack of diversity in fields of engineering. We saw a lot of drawings of men building bridges or fixing computers. And so what our engineering units really seek to do is to highlight different fields of engineering. So aerospace engineering, geotechnical engineering, materials engineering, mechanical engineering, agricultural engineering. And in this way, we're sparking interest in all sorts of different students in any given classroom across any different school district. So, you know, you'll see your students getting hands-on with the materials that we provide to start solving real-world problems that are relevant to them. You know, we've heard a lot about STEM over the years, and it's definitely grown in, in some popularity. And we see some of these kinds of programs within the construction management industry, like the ACE Mentor Program and things like that. What separates this program from things like a mentor program or any of those uh, other things we've seen within the construction industry? I would say, Nick, it's a different piece of the puzzle, right? No one entity can can do this important work on their own. I think mentorship is so important. It's a different way to reach different learners. You know, something, a hallmark of our curriculum programs is that our design challenges are open-ended. And so in that way, you know, we sort of go past helping students build something. The curriculum is not about following step-by-step instructions to build this end product. We really focus on the engineering design process. That word process is key there. And so when students engage with the EIE curriculum, they're learning really valuable lessons that failure is intrinsic to solving a problem, that this is something that real engineers do. They work together, they fail together, they weigh criteria and constraints. Whoa, they... whoa, whoa, engineers never <laughs> fail, never. Are you sure? <laughs> According to all of our listeners, they never fail. Well, I'll leave that up to your viewers to decide, but something that we certainly show those learners is that even when you do figure out a way to solve a problem on your first try, let's go back and improve it. 
So that kind of fits with what <laughs> you might be saying, Nick, right? We got it right. Let's make it better. Let's make it stronger. Let's make it faster, right? There's always a way to improve upon our solutions. And if anyone listening has been an educator or knows an educator has spent time in a classroom, you know that there are those students who raise their hand right away and have the right answer. And there are those students who might hang back for a fear of, of looking wrong in front of their peers. And so the way we've developed our curriculum welcomes all of those learners. Jill, I was on your website and I came across a quiz. I believe it's called Careers for Engineers. And I just thought it was so cute and such a good idea to introduce folks to the wide variety of the different types of engineers. Is that for the students to take or is that for educators? Or can you tell us a little bit about how that works? I would say yes, yes, and more. It's a great quiz that we were able to develop um, with funding actually through Dell Technologies, who we were able to partner with, which is a great model. We like to partner with corporate funders and foundations who, who want to give back to communities and find ways to think about workforce development. And so this quiz actually is a great way that you can engage at home as families. You can facilitate this quiz with your students to kind of spark some excitement and interest in engineering. What I really like about that quiz, Carly, and I'm not sure if you took it and got your results, but we do more than just say, great, we think you should be an agricultural engineer. We actually then kind of talk about a real life agricultural engineer and the things that they like and the types of problems that they solve. So we're giving students something real to connect with and to think about. So we, we love that that's a free offering and, and it's a great way to kind of dip your toe into what EIE is all about. So Chad, I know you have kids. I have two young boys. Carly has a young boy. Why is it so important to consider our youngest learners, specifically those in grades pre-K through eight, who haven't entered high school yet, when we think about workforce development? Why is that so important? Well, I think there's a, a number of avenues to answer that. As a parent, Nick, I think you know getting to our kids early and exposing them to different avenues means they've just got more choices. And you know, those choices are important and trying to find a good fit for each of our unique kids is a wonderful but hard task. I know in my experience with my own kids, kind of finding stuff that they're interested in and then realizing that each one of my three kids likes things completely different. So one wants to be outdoors, one wants to read books indoors, one wants to, you know, go and be alone somewhere or whatever. So I think the choices are great to expose kids to these kind of things. And specifically for architecture and engineering, it's not something that kids see on TV regularly or that they recognize on TV or in social media or, or other places regularly until they do. So once we've exposed them to that and, and we've kind of showed what that looks like and how it operates, then they start to see it more often and it becomes a reality that they could actually live. One specific example, when we were using this curriculum in LA, in South Central LA specifically, we were at a private school and it just so happened that this particular school was predominantly Latino, predominantly on, well, I think 100% on subsidy for uniforms, books, and uh, their lunch program. And we came into that school to do some work, but we also wanted to implement the EIE program for a couple of classes. And we ended up in a third grade classroom that made the most sense for the school and for us and the timing. And uh, we had a full classroom. These were all kids that were staying after school and enjoying the class. And what we did was we, we did the, the solar bake oven to bake cookies in the shoebox and the kids brought in their shoeboxes from home. And we found out from them that they not only did they have no idea what architects and engineers were or did or, or even any aspect of that, their parents did not either. Their parents were working in blue collar jobs, which was fantastic, but they had no exposure to architecture and engineering. 
And here was a chance to open up that for them. And we had a lot of kids, boys and girls, both in that classroom that were not only thrilled by baking cookies in the shoebox and that it actually worked and that they were the ones that figured it out, but they figured, oh, here's a path, a career path for me that I had no idea about that I can build a family around, make a good wage, contribute to my community and give back. And these are all things that they just didn't know ahead of time. Yeah. I think that exposure to different careers is so important because I'm, for kids, I'm sure it's just overwhelming to try to think about their parents or teachers are asking them what, what do they want to do when they get older? And you know how do they answer that question when they're in elementary school, especially if they don't have exposure to these different types of careers. So I think that's great. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI-accredited Certified Construction Manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org. Chad, I'm curious, how were you introduced to engineering as elementary? Where Did your organization reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? And for you know other uh, companies who may be interested in an initiative like this, I guess, what is, what is the first step? Yeah, I'll, I'm happy to answer that and give you my personal kind of way in, in how we found engineering as elementary. And then maybe Jill can add on to that with some of her you know, good stories about how they get connected with, with companies. For us, our the firm that I was working for in California had a foundation attached to the firm. And it was a foundation that was really designed to do community service work and to give back in the communities where we were working so that it was full circle for us. For our staff, it was important for us to do some some volunteer work and some giving back to the communities that we were working in uh, so that it wasn't just a transactional sort of endeavor. And so for us, um, one of the members of our foundation found engineering is elementary. Don't quiz me on how we found that. I wasn't the one that did it, but but they found it and we were all the, the benefactors of that. And so the, a couple of the key points about why we chose it. Um, one, it was a lesson plan that was boxed. It was ready for us and it was ready to go and we could deliver it for whoever wanted to volunteer and do it. Uh, so that was important. We didn't have to draft curriculum. Uh, we didn't have to think about how that was going to be delivered. It was really packaged for us, really neat and tidy. And then the other element was for the schools where we were delivering it, the schools recognized right away that it was a packaged unit as well, and that it could be broken into multiple lessons over weeks after weeks if we wanted to, and continue to deliver it. And we did that. You know, we we chose a couple things uh, from the engineering as elementary catalog, if you will, that we thought would be interesting, and we took it to the school and showed them, and kind of went through it first and foremost with the with the instructors and with the principal. And they fell in love with it and they said, yeah, go for it. We would be happy to have you deliver this in a classroom anytime that you're able to. And then we just designed a schedule and, and went for it. The thing that was, that was again, really important for us is that it was prepackaged and kind of ready to go. 
But then secondarily, it wasn't going to be something where we were trying to do math for the kids on a chalkboard and bore them to death with, here's some engineering formulas that were really going to excite you because that wasn't going to hook them. You know, are, you, are you sure? <laughs> uh, positive. <laughs> but we did hook them with this idea that, that we were exposing them to some of this stuff, but we didn't start with that. We really started with a book. You know, you get this really nice book that you can read to the kids or have the kids read with you, just like it's regular everyday elementary school class. So we had a reading circle and it introduced stuff in a soft way that wasn't so direct of saying, don't you want to be an architect or engineer? We started much softer than that and hooked them with the story and then got to some fun physical kinesthetic activities where they could get involved and, and really go for it. So it couldn't have been better for us with the kids. And, and it really showed in some of the feedback that we got from not only the kids, but their parents as well. Jill, did you have anything to add on to that? I mean, Chad speaks so you know, beautifully to the curriculum. So thank you, Chad. I would just emphasize that, you know, educators have been through the ringer in the last few years. And so I do think that there's an appeal in a curriculum that really is ready to go. It's, it's not just a series of activities that you can sort of string together. They're supplemental scaffolded lessons. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the impact, but really what is it, right? So, you know, any one of our units comes with educator access to our digital and print curriculum that gives them everything that they need to facilitate these units and then hands-on materials kits for their students to be using. I would also just add that, you know, we're heavily based in research and we're an evidence-based curriculum program. We completed a multi-year National Science Foundation study that did show when, when our curriculum programs are used against the control curriculum. You do see greater gains specifically in girls and underrepresented students in, in science and, and engineering. So we, we're really proud of that. And I, I think Chad also nicely highlighted that what's most important is what educators see and feel and think about the programs. And, and it's positive. So I, I got a two-part question for you here is based around the industry. How many people have you seen start to adopt engineering as elementary? And what can the CMAEC community do to help support EIE? So we reach on an annual basis about 40,000 educators and about 1.4 million students. And that, you know, grows year over year. We've developed new programs and additional units to make sure that we're, we're staying current. And we always have something to offer that's relevant to today's challenges and problems. But we're always looking to expand that reach. We, we want to be in every classroom. We, as being part of the Museum of Science, have a great advancement team that does a wonderful job at facilitating partnerships with organizations, foundations, you know, entities that have the means and the, the motivation to engage communities. In addition to that, we have a national sales team that partners with districts nationwide. And it really is a partnership. We understand the unique needs and challenges that school districts are facing. And so when we've got those who are in need and those who can give, we can play matchmaker and make sure that resources are going into the classrooms that need it the most. So I would say, reach out, don't be shy. You know, we're, we're always thrilled to have those conversations to learn about how different entities are, are interested in, in giving back and engaging. And, you know, we play an active role in those conversations and in those partnerships. And on the individual level, you know, is there anything that professionals can do as individuals, any other resources that they can maybe access on their website? I saw that you had some parent resources on the website. We all were talking about how we have, have children at home. So any other resources that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just launched a new site dedicated to families who are looking to engage in STEM at home. 
This is a site where everything is available in English and Spanish, and they're great downloadable sort of jump into engineering activities at home. You know, whether your students are already using EIE in school or not, these are just accessible ways that families can start using engineering vocabulary, computer science terminology, and really without any excessive instructions or learning or getting up to speed. They're great ways for families to start having these conversations and these activities at home. I know we talked when Chad first introduced us a few months back that, uh, you know, there's ways for CMs to be more involved as you guys look for instructors to help get this out and to help support it by contacting local school districts to make sure that they're writing this into the curriculum. So I want to make sure that's emphasized that this is, uh, EIA has developed this, that the CMs uh, need to help uh, and the AEC community need to help implement this by pushing this to uh, their school districts to make sure that this is being looked at as part of the curriculum and to help, help overall with the workforce shortage that everyone is facing right now. Jill, it's been a pleasure learning about EIE, and it sounds like a tremendous program. I know this is one of those programs that both Carly and I were very excited to hear about, and I know you're going to have a booth at CMA 22 down in San Diego, so I hope any of those who are listening are interested, at least pop by, say hello, and introduce yourself and learn a little bit more about the program. I know I speak for the industry when I say thank you for being part of the solution on creating the workforce of the future. Chad, as always, it's been a great to speak with you again, and thank you for introducing us to EIE. For more information about EIE, you can visit their website, eie.org. And for more information on Focus 22 prologue discussion that I mentioned in the introduction, you can download that article for free on CMA's website under resources. Coming up on episode 10, we've invited special guests from the National Association of Surety Bond Producers to explain why surety bonds are so important to construction industry and some tricks to making sure that you are taking the right steps to minimize risk when procuring a project. Make sure to download and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMA underscore HQ. On behalf of CMA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.